This is a HeadGum Podcast. Thank you guys for listening to No Joke with Billy and Adam here on HeadGum. This is the podcast where Billy and I tackle a theme oh so loosely and talk about our previous, present, and future experience with it. Today's theme wraps around the concept of hobbies. We hope you enjoy No Joke. And welcome back. This is the No Joke Podcast. I am Billy Scafuri. I'm Adam Lustig. And we are very happy to be back on your internet boxes again. Gosh, thanks for listening to us on your internet boxes and through your headphone buds. Yes. Uh, we have some thank yous that we wanted to oh, get yeah. out of the way before we got into this episode. Absolutely. The song you just heard is from an L.A.-based band comprised of many of our friends. Yep. That band is called Send Medicine. Send Medicine. They are currently on Spotify, and we would like to support them because Absolutely. they supported this, the No Joke Podcast. They're so rad. Special shout out to our good friend Ryan Glennon, who's in the band and is generally fantastic. So you can find their album, Scary Aquarius Daughter, currently mm-hmm. on Spotify. And if you can, spare a couple dollars and buy a cool tank top. One dollar, two dollars, one tank top, two tank tops, whatever, whatever it is. Well, the tank tops cost $10. Oh, okay. So maybe that was a bit of a misleading, but still get like two or three tank tops. Right. $30. Yeah, that's not bad. So thanks to them. Yeah, thanks, Ed Medicine. And uh, thanks to you guys. We've gotten some really fun feedback on iTunes. Yes. In the first episode, we encouraged people to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Right. That sounds like nonsense. <laughs> but... So- 13 people. No kidding. Decided we'll take that advice. A baker's does. Yes. No kidding. Yes. They rated, reviewed, and subscribed? That's right. Holy crap. Not bad. Well, <laughs> uh, maybe more have subscribed, but we got 13 wow. coveted stars. <laughs> oh my gosh. 12 five stars, one one star. Whoa. <laughs> so now. Appreciate your honesty, we think? Question mark? <laughs> Is our goal to make the 12 people who gave us five stars consistently happy? Right. Or is our goal to target that one star and bring them around to the five-star party? My personal inclination is the latter. I want to root out that bad apple, polish that bad apple, and make it a delicious, delicious red Fuji once again. So if you are that bad apple, <laughs> if you've given this podcast another shot, yes. first of all, why? First of all, why? And second of all, thank you for listening in the first place. Yes. And third of all, thank you for rating it at all. Yes. Uh, we appreciate your poor opinion of us. But back to the first, why? why? So this is what we need from you. You've given us the one star. Give us a review. Yeah. Tell us what we didn't do right. Some constructive feedback would be super helpful. Be a little more explicit. Uh, tell us if you don't like our voices. Right. If you don't like the quality of our conversation. But like Adam mentioned in a previous episode, we are extremely thin-skinned. Super sensitive. So veil it in a way that will still make us feel good about Couch ourselves. Couch the whole thing in compliments. Yes. Even if there is a cons- piece of constructive criticism, it needs to be um, surrounded by on all four sides of that insult needs to be compliments yes please <laughs> mask it mask it so so well so rate review yeah, and, and subscribe, subscribe to no joke on itunes yes um, i also want to give a quick shout out if i don't know if this is appropriate bill uh but to my own personal mother um susan susan joe who sent us uh, our very first very constructive uh e- piece of e- email feedback that's right um and mom if you're listening um it was it Something that pertained to the first episode where we were talking about McDonald's fish fillet. Uh, I really had no idea that my mother, uh, and with all due respect, Billy and I were saying some frankly disparaging things about the fish fillet um, because Billy had a, a frankly a very traumatic experience with Jake and Amir regarding the fish fillet, and he was just being honest. I did not fully realize how 
devoted of a fan and an admirer my mother was of the McDonald's fish fillet. I'll take it from there. Take I'm it, reading the email from Susan Rothschild. This is you, Susan. If uh, anything is embarrassing, I will not say it out loud. That's okay. Say it. Say it. Scream it from the rooftops. From Susan Rothschild to nojokepod at gmail.com. Love you, Mom. You've clearly got it all wrong. The filet fish is a hot, crunchy, melt-in-your-mouth morsel of pescatarian delight in a pillowy bun. Wow. <laughs> Who needs sesame seeds? I'll take mine with no cheese and very light on the tartar. We called it sad sauce. Thank you, a concerned citizen. That concerned citizen is your mom. Is my mother, yeah. Uh, a pescatarian delight on a pillowy bun? It's like, Mom, I, I just feel like, I mean... Even McDonald's disagrees with Seriously, you. it's like you are giving them like 600% the credit that they deserve. What we said it was is a breaded half bar of soap. Okay, Susan Rothschild? With sad sauce. But if you agree with Susan Rothschild and you think the fish fillet deserves our respect, yeah, email nojokepod at gmail.com. Let us know. Let us know. Or mail my mom a few fish fillets. Apparently she loves them. That episode with Amir, uh, yeah. the topic was jobs. Yep. First jobs. Yep. Yeah. That was the first time we had a guest. That's right. Um, and that was really successful, I thought. I think so. Amir's a super sweet and funny, smart guy. Yep. Um, he set the bar really high for guests. Yep. Um, but I think that we can continue to raise that bar. Okay. I'm sure the one-star reviewer doesn't agree, but we're here to convince him or her. Here to convince him <laughs> or her. Yeah. The nature of the No Joke podcast is that over the course of three acts, we take a topic and we talk about our past, our present, and our future relationships with it. That's right. And this episode, we have decided to devote some conversation to hobbies. Yeah. Non-job-related interests. Yes. <laughs> Jobs adjacent. Yes. And when you work in such a amorphous... Uh, nebulous field of quote-unquote work like Billy and I do, sometimes hobbies and jobs tend to overlap a little bit, yes. or it's hard to differentiate the two. That is 100%. I think that the majority of our jobs have been born out of hobbies, yeah. as opposed to taking classes and then being professionally prepared for that job. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I mean, we may make the goof-em-ups, and we like to kid around. Sure. And that is, of course, our hobby. I, I mean, First of all, how, I'd be curious to know how you, def how you, Billy, define a hobby, if you had to give like a dictionary definition of a hobby. A hobby yeah. is something that you have no end game with mm -hmm. except the joy of doing it there and then. That's very nice. Nothing sort of like goal-oriented or career-oriented or money-oriented. It's not aspirational. It's just for the enjoyment of the thing itself. For the love of the game. For the love of the game. Yes. Yeah, I would say that's a pretty safe definition. I like to shoot around without thinking that this will get me to the NBA. That's right. Playing basketball is a hobby, that's not right. a career pursuit. That's right. Well, Billy, don't sell yourself short. I mean, you... I mean, could you be a fourth or fifth round draft pick? Maybe. 100%. Definitely. Yes. Definitely, dude. Yes. Like, and those first three rounds made huge mistakes. Huge mistakes. You've been passed over by the Jazz, by the Wizards, by everyone, and you're going to get them back when you get to the league. I am that 6'1", freckly shooting guard <laughs> who can't hit free throws or threes Exactly. that the Utah Jazz didn't know they needed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's a really, really generous and sort of loving definition of a hobby. And it makes me think um, about the things that I suppose that sort of in that case, then, I mean, like what we're doing right now really does really is like almost riding the line of job and hobby. It's like almost a jobby. It's and a jobby. Way. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how would you, Adam, define a jobby? <laughs> I would say I would say a jobby <clears throat> would be something that initially began as a hobby, um, but one's acumen and proficiency at it was so high that it ultimately transitioned into being a job. 98% so of the people on Etsy 
now have a jobby. Those are jobbies. That's right? a perfect definition of a jobby. I put a chain through a domino piece. It's a necklace. And this hobby that I used to do is now my jobby. Exactly. People want to spend eight ninety nine on this domino to necklace. To string the string through the through the domino is a hobby. To sell it for eight ninety nine, it becomes a jobby. You know what my first jobby was? Hmm. I was a DJ. Yeah. I was a DJ. Yeah. Um, from about fifteen years old to roughly like twenty two years old. That is that is a healthy DJ career. Yes. Honestly. I so I used to get in trouble yep. as a teenager. Yep. To the degree where my parents said you need a hobby. Yep. Because I'd be coming home after curfew or just after getting into trouble. And they said, you need to do something productive with your time. Because your hobby up to then had been shenanigans. Shenanigans. Enough with the nanigans. Yeah. Get the hobbies checked the out. hobbies, please. Okay. Yep. So um, I thought about what I was interested in, mm -hmm. and I loved hip-hop, continue to love hip-hop. Still do. And I was so intrigued by the turntables yeah. that I decided to save money and buy myself turntables, and I would just make mixtapes oh. in my bedroom at age 15 Woo! for all hours of the day. For, mix tapes for yourself or for friends or for both? It started as a hobby. Yeah. So it was just for myself. And yeah. I would re-listen to it and think it was great, knowing damn well that I didn't know how to scratch. Yeah. I didn't know how to cut, but I had all the tools. Yeah, you did. And that hobby, over time, led to hundreds of records and slowly starting to do parties. Mm -hmm. That hobby quickly became a jobby. A, a full-blown, almost, dare I say, a job. Within two years, that hobby became doing like high school parties. Wow. Which is as high as you can get on the social rank DJing a high school party. And even like a house party, like like Jared's having a party this yes. house. Like get Billy to make a mixtape and yes. come over and crank it. Lisa Gagerson's having a keg party. Billy's on the deck. <laughs> Billy on the decks are on the deck. Yeah, boy. So you would bring your two turntables. You would schlep your turntables. And my of... speakers and my receiver and gear, my though. preamps and my mixers. And I was mm, 145 pounds. <laughs> and my gear was mm, 900. <laughs> And people loved having the DJ, but they never thought about how much work just carrying one speaker is so much work. It's a jobby. It's a jobby. That now. is a jobby. This hobby grew out of just being a hobby. Now I'm on Etsy. Exactly. Yeah. But and you and you your sort of DJ uh, ha ha jobby yes um sort of evolved and you were djing at your local uh, roller skating rink for years and years this is when the jobby yeah. became a job. a job you drop the e drop yes. the diminutive e and it's just a job at 15 it's a hobby mm -hmm. at 16 it's a jobby mm -hmm. at 17 it's a job. job you know exactly the caterpillar became a butterfly mm -hmm. and that and butterfly was hot skates the local roller skating rink in long island that I held down supremely. I've heard legend and lore of DJ. I'm not going to blow up. Your, I'll let you introduce yourself as DJ. But yeah, Billy's really good at this. Okay. <laughs> so those high school parties, somebody came up to me and said, hey, I'm a rink guard at a local roller skating rink. Great start to a set. Already a great intro to a conversation. If somebody approaches you and says, I'm a rink guard, listen. Yeah, you say onwards. Okay. I'm listening. He picks up the little kids who fall. <laughs> He said, I, I see something in you. That's a jobby. I want to take this jobby to the next level. <laughs> I want to get you in the booth at Hot Skates. Shout out Hot Skates, Limbrook, Long Island. Get there. Still exists. Been there for 30 years. We'll be there for 350 more. Billy and I went there within the last five years just as a nostalgic trip. Every single person there knew Billy was giving him daps, was giving him hugs. It was like you were a celebrity. Free pizza and hot dogs. Is <laughs> the name of our next podcast. <laughs> They hired me to be their DJ, and for the next four years, that jobby became a job. That is, if you think DJing a high school party is cool, DJ a roller skating rink. <laughs> 
that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> we would get the same music that uh, local radio stations would get on the same week. So if a new Britney Spears song came out, we were getting it the same day they were. So in a lot of ways, because the general manager of Hot Skates used to work for Billboard. So wow. he had all these ties to get, he really appreciated music. That's serious. I was DJing dor- uh, during the pop music renaissance and an explosion. 90s. Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Ricky Martin, Jennifer Lopez, Whitney Houston still had bangers. Yep, yep. It, Backstreet Boys, Insect, 98 Degrees, etc. When I would put on Live in La Vida Loca <laughs> and kids finish their Coca-Cola classic, it was mayhem. Live in La Vida Coca, Cola, Loca. Exactly. Exactly. Live in La Vida Coca. <laughs> um, but that was uh, a awesome hobby yeah. that became a job that, became, that became, became a job. job that interestingly enough i think actually trained me or at least put it in my system to do things like this i would i would say there's a direct line from keeping the party going yes ho- generally hosting dictating a mood and a tone yes for a group of people and also telling people that there's no forward skating backward skating or playing the game of tag on the hot skates floor which you tell me during our podcast recordings every time exactly just as a precautionary measure there is no backward skating during the no joke podcast because lord knows i want to but billy really keeps me in check that's right it also taught me to say things like, if you're a guest here at Jared's bur- uh, birthday party, please make your way back to the Hot Skate Snack Bar. Once again, if you are a guest here with Jared's birthday party, please make your way back. It's time to eat. It's time to eat. I would usually throw my own flair on. Heck yeah, you would, dude. Yeah. So when you say that the owner of this place would get sort of, quote unquote, get the same music that... Hot 97 or whoever would at the same time. Are you talking about like LPs, like records, albums? See, so there's things called CD pools. Back in the day, they were record pools where it was basically like a press release mm-hmm. where labels would, instead of saying like this person's doing this, they would just send the music a week in advance to local radio stations. Makes sense. That was records for a while. That transitioned into CD pools sure. where it'd be like 16 songs, maybe four broken up into like ballads, pop songs, mm-hmm. country songs. And these were assumed by the labels to be the biggest hits of the week. Mm. So those would usually get sent out to an exclusive group of people, mm-hmm. Hot Skates being mm-hmm. one of those people. I can't believe that. How I lucky sh- for you. I should mention that there was one other roller skating rink in Long Island. Rivals. Our rivals. Yeah, big time. I don't think they had the same CD pools, i.e. they didn't have the same music. Okay. But they did have a great name. What was it? United Skates of America. Oh, that's a gentle applause for yep. that. That is a fantastic pun. That is really good. Yep. United Skates of America. But you know what United less. Skates of America uh, didn't have going for them? They had two poles in the middle of their roller skating well, that's rink. just cruel. Structural beams. That's, those beams seem really cruel. Hot Skates didn't have no beams. No beams in Hot Skates. 360-degree but... skating experience okay. in Limbrook, Long Island. Visit Hot Skates. Visit hot skates. Visit hot skates. That's yes. just that's the main point of it. Yeah. Uh, and you still, Billy, I mean, even amongst our friend group, talk about, I mean, I feel like your relationship to DJing has gone from full hobby to job, at 15 a hobby, at 16 a jobby, at 17 a full job. Now that we're in our 30s, it's almost circled all the way back around where amongst our friend group, you still are kind of the DJ. I know that I personally rely on all consumption of new music from you. I know many friends in our friend group who rely on you for new music. Correct. So it's almost circled back to an adult hobby. Yes. <laughs> and you still do it. Hobby 2.0. Total hobby 2.0. Wow. Yeah. So the circle goes hobby, jobby. Job, grow up, hobby 2.0. Exactly. Okay. So I think that's where you've kind of landed. Okay. With DJing. Yeah. 
Um, speaking of landed, yeah, that is the first act. Wow, that was a we dream. really focused on me. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm glad we did. Are you kidding? Um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to focusing on you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, we briefly talked about a uh, hobby of ours, which is playing basketball. Yep. Yep. What do you say we transition? Yeah. Into a song that revolves exclusively around basketball, specifically exclusively around NBA basketball, specifically NBA basketball in the 1990s, the era of our youth. This song is called Bulls versus Knicks. Enjoy that. Now it's Michael Jordan and the Bulls who also face elimination. Can they find the courage and the championship effort needed to win? Or are we about to witness one of the greatest upsets in basketball history? Pat Riley and his Knicks believe it's possible. Today, for one of these teams, the title quest continues. For the other, time runs out. Like it's 1996. 1996. Nuggets with the rainbows. We were only kids. Only shoulders. Warren's mascot. Watch him doing flips. Got you standing on your seats like it's the Bulls versus the Knicks. I got more books than Milwaukee. I can buy a walkie talkie. In Atlanta, the ladies all hawk me. Telling me that I'm the human highlight. Muriel, I'm like, ladies, ladies, ladies. How that make Dominique Wilkins feel? Your style's animated like the mom stars in Space Jam. Like Red Barry, I'll wear my jacket when I slam. My friends kind of friends with that dude, Rafe LaFrance. It's Scottie Pippen, also that guy from the Humpty Dance. I love the king, not James. Talking about King Cullen, I got a bad haircut. Call me Chris Mullen. I'm buying 12 jerseys because they're cheaper by the dozen. And I got a mini hoop so I can dunk on my cousin. The track takes you back like it's 1996. 1996. Nuggets with some rainbows, we were only kids. Only showed his mascot. Watch him doing flips. Got you standing on your seats like it's the Bulls versus the Knicks. I am smooth like D. Wade and fat. Than being baby, not named for a lady like Tracy McGrady, whose playoff stats I wouldn't take if you paid me. Who'd maybe be great if his eye wasn't lazy? And when I'm walking down the block, they wonder what I'm doing, cause I'm wearing bigger knee pads than that of Patrick Ewing, and I sweat like him too, so you know I'm soaking wet. I'm like lunch lady hair, nothing but neck. Yo, snakes is the best in the full court press. Hit you in the mouth of a Ron Artest, like a $2 replica jersey we just mesh. This is music from John Tesh. So what if I got just like Rick Smith, like a rain from Long Range, I got in a Whiskey. The only difference is that I play D. That and he's like eight foot three. Michael Jordan and Xavier McDaniel having words. Double technicals were called. Ewing for Scott. Michael Jordan on fire. Mark Albert has recently been arrested for sexual assault, allegedly biting a 42-year-old woman's back 15 times while wearing ladies' underpants. Yes! The track takes you back like it's 1996. 1996. Nuggets with the rainbows. We were only kids. Only Charlotte Hornets mascot. Watch him doing flips. Got you standing on your seats like it's the Bulls versus the Knicks. Welcome back to the No Joke Podcast. That was Bulls versus Knicks. Yes. Uh, featuring heavily the NBA on NBC theme song, if you didn't quite catch that, composed by the one, the only, the inimitable John Tesh. John Tesh, originally called Round Ball Rock. Yes. And if you haven't seen the YouTube video, many of you probably have, there's an amazing, amazing YouTube clip of him performing Round Ball Rock live, I want to say at Red Rocks. Yeah. Oh, how appropriate. <laughs> Red Rocks. Yeah. It's got to be, right. So if you didn't understand, and any of the references in that song, 
that probably means you're a John Tesh fan. Exactly. So yeah. we've got our bases covered. Yeah, we've there. got our, all of our bases covered. Yeah, but Billy and I were big, 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 continue to be big basketball fans. Right. Um, and if only we could transition that hobby into a job. Like Billy, right. but like we were saying in Act 1, if we could – and this is something – I don't mean to be tangential here. But this is just something that I've told myself over and over again, um, which is that if I have the opportunity – and Billy and I uh, – Billy, you and I have talked about this before. But if I have the opportunity to make a deal with the devil – and if I and if the deal was the devil came to me and said, "Okay, you can be one of the five, call it five, maybe eight greatest basketball players of all time, truly the greatest basketball players of all time." Uh, however, the trade-off is you can no longer see or speak to any of your friends and family or loved ones again. Yeah, I think I would give it about a half a second of thought, and you would never see me again, Bill. Bye. <laughs> don't, bye. Don't blame you. Come to, come see me at the games if you want to see. Live me. your come, best life, Barkley. I'm about to 180 jam. You can watch it on TV if you'd like, but I don't need to talk to him. You may have knee problems, though. <laughs> yeah, I think I would probably have some knee problems. Yeah, that kind of comes with the territory. It comes with the territory being one of the eight greatest basketball players of all time. So if the devil is listening right now, if the devil is out there listening, yes. I'm willing to my, the, like the phone lines are open. I can make a deal. Make Adam Carl Malone. <laughs> um, Adam, you didn't. You you stopped yourself from saying what my DJ name was. Yeah. Um, why don't you tell them what my DJ name was? Okay, great. Well, Billy, like we said, child of the 90s. Uh, and Billy, his DJ name was DJ Tanner. I was the first DJ to use DJ Tanner. I mean, that is... For those of you who don't get the reference, Full House, obviously. Oldest Tanner, daughter, oldest DJ daughter, Tanner. Candace, whatever her name is, Cameron, I think the actress mm -hmm. is. Okay. Uh, but DJ Tanner is a, in short... A brilliant name for a DJ. Yes. There's no other way to there's no other way around it. I would DJ from New York to Baltimore and one time I was DJing in the Hamptons and a girl approached one of my friends who didn't know us and asked him, Is that DJ Tanner? <laughs> because DJ Tanner had performed at her college you in Baltimore once. She said, Is that DJ Tanner? And I've haven't come down from that high to this day. Do you remember when the when you sort of conceived of that idea to be called DJ Tanner? Um I think it was in Mr. Rotundi's science class. Because I hated Mr. Rotundi. Sorry about that, Mr. Rotundi. Not, but that's a fact. Not, not sorry, sorry. dude. Take I grew it. up to be an adult. I thought it through. You were a very bad teacher. We still dislike you. We're so sorry, Mr. Rotundi and to your family. Gave me great scribble time. <laughs> it gave me enough time to say, do not name yourself DJ XTC. XTC. Oh, uh, when no. you're 14 years old and you're just looking for keywords from MTV to tell you this might be cool, you explore things like XTC. But then I'm you. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> DJ XTC. 14 year old. Um, <laughs> voice is cracking. Welcome to the stage, XTC. <laughs> hey, guys. Hey, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Jared's birthday party. Just uh, head back to the snack bar. Time to eat. <laughs> this is ecstasy on the ones and twos. Yeah, um, so that was that was an Mr. Otundi's yeah. class gave me enough time to think it through, and I went with DJ Tanner. Well, thank God he Never did. looked back. I mean, it's truly an amazing name. And now, with Fuller House on Netflix, more topical than ever. Exactly. <laughs> you anticipated this revival. Exactly. Yeah. Um, they are now in their hobby, 2.0. That show. That went through what they needed to go through, and they're figuring it out all over again. It is quite literally hobby 2.0 for Full House. We've put a lot of attention on me. Let's put a little attention on you. Okay. We can talk about uh, current hobbies if you have one that comes to mind. God, you know what? It's... Dude, I don't. I wish that I were a more interesting or riveting person that I had uh, 
hobbies? I mean, like I'm well, sort of. I have I have one that I always consider your one of your more interesting hobbies. Okay, it uh, you carry this skill with you now, but it was probably a hobby more when you were a child. Curious to know what you're going to say. Taekwondo. Oh yeah, Taekwondo. Of course. Would you say that that was your predominant hobby as a young man? Yeah. Yes, I would actually. Um, and that was well. It's interesting that you say that, Bill. Well, yes, my experience with Taekwondo is that my both of my parents. <laughs> Would shock you, may shock you to hear, uh, considering the filet fish email. But both of my parents are martial artists and black belts in the martial arts, including my fish filet of a mother. Um, so they're <laughs> and both, your kid brother and my kid brother Jake. All four members of my nuclear family are black belts. Believe it or not, this is the least likely family of black belts. Feel, yes. <laughs> Adam, you've been suppressing your laughs. Let him out, dog. <laughs> yeah, so, okay, it's just like we are black belts and we all quake with fear at the same time. So it's like we are complicated. People are complicated. Um, but yes, my dad and mom were both black belts in karate, which they did at the local JCC. Um, shout out JCC. Yes. And they would take karate classes there. And once my brother and I were of age, aka seven, uh-huh. uh, they sort of tossed us into the taekwondo scene is that how old you have to be to start taekwondo it was probably a little bit older than that it was honestly probably like 10 or 11 but they snuck you in at seven me i got it you know what my memory is a little holy at this point but it may have been like nine or ten or something like that okay it was something for kids it was just like but you entered the dojo for the first time. Went to the dojo, Northeast Taekwondo in Gilderland, New York. Tell me about that dojo. Okay, yeah. So the original dojo was sort of a, a ratty place with with weird, smelly, sad carpet and like the constant smell of sweat. Freestanding building in a shopping mall. Uh, the first one was in a shopping mall. Wow. The well, first. Do you one remember what stores mall? were next to Man, the dojo? I wish I did, Billy. Oh my God! Knowing the era and the region, Mister Sub oh. is definitely probably in there. Not Subway. Did you oh. have a Mr. Sub in Long Island? No, we had Subway. Oh, man. Maybe Mr. Sub is a figment of my imagination. But Did it use yeah. the same like color scheme as Subway? Did it feel like No, a... dude. It was more of a blue and fuchsia, sort of a, a rounded font. Okay. Same sandwiches. Got it. Rounded font. Okay. Um, so there was probably a Mr. Sub next to the dojo. Uh, but uh, the, the head of the dojo was this man named Mr. O'Kelly, sensei, and his wife, Debbie, uh, worked Adam just dropped two solemn bows for those at home. <laughs> those okay. little silences were for silent bows. Exactly. And Go now on. I bow to Debbie, who is his wife and the receptionist. <laughs> <laughs> he bowed for receptionist. Okay. Uh, and it was mainly just like a social club, and the classes were like 50 minutes long. Um, I rose. The, my brother and I both rose the ranks relatively, relatively quickly uh, because what you have to do to rise the ranks is very difficult in Taekwondo. You have to show up. And oh, that's it. That's all it requires. Good attendance. You have to attend, and then if you attend, then you uh, reach master level. Taekwondo is that what a uh, nationality is? Korean. Is, is, is Taekwondo Korean. Korean for perfect attendance? I think it's Korean for uh, instead of soccer. It's just oh. something else to do at four o'clock in the afternoons that your parents can drive you to and then pick you up from at instead five. Instead of soccer. Yeah, that's what it means. <laughs> it's Korean for that. Just another activity. Uh, but yeah, I think the alternate meaning is perfect attendance. Um, so. Uh, so, yeah, we, I, I did that for years. I mean, I would say maybe like four or five years. Of and you are now a black belt. I am currently a black belt. I don't know if that lapses over time. It's been many, many years since I have done anything Taekwondo related except th- for talk about it with you. Right. I think you needed to get your driver's license renewed every five years. And that seems like it should be like I should have to take a black belt test every five years to right. renew. Right. Obviously. What do you think the black belt test would consist of? <sighs> That's a great question. Um, I think in reality, well, first of all, you know that with every belt level and with every stripe on the belt that you get, um, you need to sort of – I mean you have to learn a different pattern basically okay. for every okay. single 
belt level that you get. Yep. Uh, and every with every sort of ascension to the next belt level, there's a, a, t- a very formal test okay. uh, that you invite your parents to that takes place <laughs> in some sort of gymnasium of a local middle school. That is followed by bagels. <laughs> Always bagels. That is preceded and succeeded by bagels. <laughs> <laughs> a bagel sandwich. Yeah, definitely. Um, and sometimes you have to break a board with your hand or foot. And mm, I did that. And yes. I did that, Billy. And you know I did that. Yes. Adam. Yes. So I have broken a board before. Uh, and I will say that that hurts like a son of a bitch. <laughs> no secret to it. It's not like there's like a secret where like they teach you to like really harness your chi, harness your energy, and shoot it out through your fist, and it doesn't hurt because magic is real. You have it, bones and nerves, and that is wood. They all hurt. Right. If you smash your bones and your nerves into wood, nobody wins. So you are a 33-year-old man who is yeah. currently a black belt. Yes, I technically both of those things are – except I'm 32. 32. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you – what age do you think that you could just – Take out without any sort of martial arts training, an eleven-year-old without martial arts training. Like, I see your point. With uh, with using only your martial arts training, okay. not using just like headlocks that you could do because you're bigger than him. Using my taekwondo skills, exactly. Using my front kick, using my front block, using my side block, using my round kick. Do you think that you could take out the average fourteen-year-old using those kicks and blocks? Yes, I would kick him right in the neck. Really? Or her? Yeah, I would definitely be able to take. I would say here's my instinct. I would say ages zero to fifteen, ages sixty-one plus. Okay. I would say anyone zero to fifteen, anyone sixteen six, to sixty, sixty-one. Even though I'm second guessing it right now because my dad is about sixty-four and he might still be able to kick my ass. Rock to be you. totally honest with sure. you, he might be able to rock my ass. Oh sure. Uh, he's like sixty-four and I think he could probably take me out. Dads have something to prove. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's strong and he keeps his body in shape and he could ruin me. So uh, what you're saying is you could take out most anyone not in the prime of their life. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Anyone even close to the prime of their life, I think I would have a real problem with. The 14 and 15-year-olds might start to pose a little. If they're, like, especially developed for 14, I'm sunk. I'm dead. <laughs> like, 14-year-old Billy, maybe? Like, I think I would have a problem with, maybe. A well-fed 14-year-old. I'd, I'd be, A, scared, uh, be super intimidated. See, that's the thing. Taekwondo, you can learn all the skills in the world, um, but your fight-or-flight, nothing can touch your fight-or-flight instinct. Right. I'm still all flight, no fight. Mm. So I learned all the skills. I can do all all the patterns i can do all the blocks billy you've actually had a couple of birthday parties where you've had me teach taekwondo that is at right your birthday parties that is right so that is really when that is an adult hobby 2.0 correct that's when it really circles back to you have really thank and i thank you i'm very grateful that you have imposed my childhood hobby back onto me as a grown-up my 29th birthday mm-hmm. in brooklyn <laughs> um we had done enough bar birthdays yeah every f- group of friends in their late 20s i assume starts to get burnt out by just going to bar for birthdays yes especially when your friends are a sketch comedy group who likes to act really theatrical in the most casual of circumstances we're weirdos yes we like to make a like a murder mystery for ourselves or whatever yes role play yes 29th birthday i asked adam to lead a taekwondo class that's right in uh, my girlfriend's loft in williamsburg yes i'd say 25 of our closest friends came out in movement clothing it was incredible Adam had a gi. One of our friend Greg Manley also wore a gi. Shout out Greg Manley. And after Chris Smith led us through 30 minutes of composed mm-hmm. stretching, mm-hmm. Adam led us through a series of punches and kicks mm-hmm. for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it was maybe the best birthday party of my life. I had a blast. Sensei Adam. Mm-hmm. It, it was so fun. Uh, and I really thought that you responded really well to it, Bill. I yes. think you're a natural, to be honest with you. Thanks. Yeah. 
my hamstrings might disagree. <laughs> and then we did it again a few years later out here in LA. We did the exact same thing. It was like your 30, I don't know, second birthday. Right. It was like three years, years later. Ago. Yeah. Right. And we did the exact same thing. Slightly yeah. bigger studio. Also Marina's place. <laughs> right. And uh, we had another fantastic Taekwondo class. Right. So yeah, that I never... My, Dissimilar to your DJing experience, I obviously – it never really transitioned into a jobby, although I will say but I did go attend a, a couple of regional and national taekwondo tournaments oh. and did take home a little bit of hardware, some trophies. Stop. I do have some taekwondo trophies. So if a trophy is analogous to a jobby, then yes, it was a jobby. But really, it's just a hobby with trophies. Sure. But that trophy cost money. <laughs> that trophy cost somebody money. And that's somehow a jobby. Exactly. It was someone's jobby to make the trophy to give to me for my hobby. Um, babes everywhere, I assume, in that Oh, yeah. You tournament. know how these TKD tournaments are. Babes everywhere. <laughs> Where was this? Where in the country? <laughs> the national tournament was in Toledo, Ohio. and uh, Babe Central. Damn. Yeah. So my father and myself and my father's chiropractor, Stephen, and his son is also in our taekwondo school. Basically the cast of Entourage. <laughs> cast of Entourage. Uh, piled into a sweet-ass Greyhound bus and took a long-ass schlep from Albany, New York to Toledo, Ohio. We're not paying for gas. <laughs> no way. Uh, where we uh, shacked up in a small hotel and uh, went to this national national taekwondo tournament featuring taekwondo warriors mm -hmm. from all over over the United States of America. Wow. <laughs> and that was really fun. So again, not a jobby per se, in that I didn't was never compensated for it. In fact, I had to pay to do it. The true definition of a hobby. Right. Um, so, but it was, it was really, really fun. Um, man, should we get to this now? Yeah, I'll throw it out now. Toss it. The reverse hobby, yes. I would say, is um, volunteering. <laughs> okay, I see where you're getting at. And yeah. Let's just talk real quick about okay. the reverse hobby and how maybe that may have affected you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I kind of know what you're poking at here, Bill. Um, you're scratching at something that happened to me pretty recently, which was that uh, I got a speeding ticket because I'm a mediocre driver. And, and I've gotten a bunch of parking tickets here in L.A. in the past few years. And it reached the point where, similar to people in their late 20s, just being fed up with the bar scene, I was just fed up with playing ball with these parking tickets. Sure. You know what I mean? I have to pay every single one of them. Apparently, you don't have to pay every single one, Adam. This is what I learned. So I uh, took my righteous indignation. I was 100% of the wrong and fully guilty. I went down to the court in downtown LA, and I said, I don't – basically, I don't feel like it. That was my argument. I don't feel like paying this anymore. I'm sick of it. I'm too bad of a driver to continue to be punished for this. And you assumed that the judge would be like, wow, I totally wow. relate. This guy's, this guy's telling it like it is. You're super charming. I love your podcast. You're off. Senior virals. Exactly. Uh, nothing of, the, of that nature happened at all. But he was like, okay, great. So do you, uh, do you want community service or do you want to pay the thing? I was like, community service. Right. So instead of paying the maybe 80 or like $115 parking ticket or you. whatever it was, I uh, was issued or, or served 54 hours of community service, 54 hours that I had the entirety of 2015 to complete. <laughs> and this was back in January. I got my quote-unquote sentence in January and had literally until December of 2015, the entire calendar year, to complete 54 hours of community service. Uh, community uh, service including? Uh, well, I was – I was assigned uh, a place to work, and it was this place, Project Angel Food, which is this lovely charity here in L.A. that sort of serves uh, food to people who can't feed themselves all over the city. It was really great. Uh, and so I had this romantic idea. I was like, oh, that's great. I'll, like, get out into the community. I'll be in my car. I'll be sort of seeing different parts of the city, delivering meals to people. It was nothing like that. 
I was upstairs in their office, literally uh, not even answering emails, literally dragging all of their excess JPEGs into the trash. Oh. <laughs> for 54 hours of my year. Uh, until uh, holiday season rolled around and uh, the Angel Food was doing this sort of collaboration with uh, this weird witchy store in West Hollywood. And by witchy store, I mean a store for witches that sold <laughs> clothes and, uh, and accoutrements for witches. Uh, so I worked in the witch store for about a, a, a hard week, like eight-hour days, like three or four, eight-hour eight days in a row had to miss your birthday party. Correct. I missed my best friend Billy's birthday party because I was too stubborn to pay a $100 parking ticket and instead was selling necklaces to witches in West Hollywood at 4 p.m., on a Saturday. So that was a reverse hobby. And that, that was a hobby that was assigned to me that I did not choose. Right. That was not paid. Right. Um, that was mildly annoying and also somewhat rewarding. So it's incredible that you get a speeding ticket and end up a witch. And somehow that's not unusual <laughs> exactly. to me. It's not unusual. And the thing is, Bill, here's a dirty little secret. I didn't even complete the 54 hours. I did like 38 of the 54 hours and then went back to the court at the end of the year and was like, I did 38. And they were like, all right. And they like knocked off the appropriate dollar amount of the parking ticket and they prorated it basically. So like, does the justice system work? Yes and no. I suppose I was appropriately quote unquote punished or something. My time was wasted. I wasted their time. So they wasted my time. So I guess that is justice. An appropriate segue into our second song. Yeah. It's called Wrong Feels Right. Yeah. Uh, we wrote this uh, after being awake for 20 hours. That's right, in the middle of the night. And tapping into our almost not funny rebellious side. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Maybe you'll like it. It yes. samples the song Hava Nagila. Yes. This is Wrong Feels Right. Enjoy. like a daisy yeah but my vision's hazy is that rich voice with the beats amazing two snakes on the track popping out the box like jack if jack had a mic he could rap like mcgee i'm a maniac make use of the night float up like a kite find a fight at first sight because the wrong feels right i am known to know what's right then do the opposite why because the wrong feels right Ego. Any place that we go, people fiend for their ego, plead to be seen, yo, cheap like unique 
flow, but we glow, we show, we grow, we know, we're so-so, we're average, we're cabbage, we're baggage, we're extra, we're unnecessary, we're packaged, we're soft, but we fight, we spark, but we shine bright, I'm mixing ginger ale in my Sprite, cause the rock feels right, I am known to know what's right, then do the opposite, why, because the rock feels right, I am known to know what's right, then do the opposite, why, cause the rock feels right. Okay, we are back for the third act of this, the No Joke Podcast. We said it earlier, we'll say it again. Please review, rate, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please. When we are put on iTunes lists, it feels good momentarily. We love making lists. It gives us that fleeting sense of accomplishment that dissipates within the next second, but feels good in that moment. You guys can relate to that. Please. So we'll give you 60 minutes of talking and music <laughs> if you give us that. Yeah. Even if it's a one-star review, circling back, we don't – we're not hating on you, one-star review guy or gal. We appreciate your participation and enthusiasm. We just want you to be more specific. Exactly. Just be more specific. How can we improve Seriously. for you? Help us help you. That's you can all. also tweet at us at Adam Lustig, at Billy Scafiri. Yep. Those are also our Instagram handles if you want to show photo representations of how we can be improving this podcast Seriously. for you. And even though that's just a text, like you write it in your notes thing, take a screenshot of that and Instagram it, that's fine. That counts. Yes. That counts. Um, also, don't know if Hotskates is online, but definitely want to shout out their uh, social media presence. Probably. One last time. One last time. <laughs> Hotskates. It's yeah. the third act. Yeah. It's the No Joke Podcast. I don't mean to wear my heart too much on my sleeve, Billy, but that song that we just listened to, Wrong Feels Right, is kind of one of my favorite Snake songs, yeah? to be totally honest with you. Is that right? Yeah. I love what our DJ, uh, DJ Rich Royce, aka Mike Perkillo, did with Havana Gila. I yes. thought that that, as a Jewish American princess, I do feel like that is <laughs> really cool. Love the way he chopped that song up and made it pretty sort of like kinetic yep. and, and syncopated. And that was weird. the first song we made that got press from a non-comedy website. That was? From a legitimate music website. That was? No kidding. Yeah. Strangely enough, that transcended, <laughs> these are just some white goofy guys who record themselves over the course of right. 24 hours on these crazy albums. Right. And they were just like, Check out this song. This is a good one. Yes. And, that's cool. And that felt nice. I tend to agree. I think that as like, I again, I this couldn't sound more sort of like self-congratulatory. But if I were to be able to divorce myself from you and I as snakes, that would like be, that's like a song that I would play and repeat. Right. I just like the beat. I just think Mike just yeah. murdered it. I think he did amazing. Did you write that blog post that I just cited? And maybe that's why. What blog post? The blog post that said this is a good song and it wasn't about comedy guys. Oh, no. I don't think I did. No, you wouldn't. But no. It was from a legitimate press Nice. I was just trying to throw out a joke, and I missed the mark <laughs> Sorry, by Billy. miles. Sorry, Billy. I miles. wasn't. I should have been there for you. Look, sometimes <laughs> you just throw the ball at the rim, and it just bricks. Exactly. Same and with jokes. Talk, I mean, like, again, just to circle back to what we were saying in terms of, like, where a hobby becomes a jobby, I mean, like, rap and snakes, for us, again, that was like, it rode the line perfectly, because... Um, we're both hip-hop fans. Obviously, you have gone into great detail about your DJ experience, and I was just sort of a casual Wu-Tang, Nas, Eminem fan growing up. And it was just sort of a, pas a passionate hobby of ours right. that transitioned sort of gradually over time into a semi-jobby. That's right. Yeah, and that was incredible. Whereas for our DJ, Mike, job. 
Right. That's just his job. Career. Working with our, us, our two goofy asses, that was maybe his hobby. One thing that I think you and I are very lucky to hear from peers is that um, we are very fortunate to pursue the things that we loved. Yeah. Did it immediately out of college. Yeah. Didn't ever like kind of deviate from the thing that we were just passionate about. That's right. Whether it was performing, art, comedy, it was something like that. Yeah. And we hear it a lot. We've heard it together. I've heard it as an individual a lot. But it's really something worth checking in yeah, about. Yeah, you know, I know. Because I think that not everyone's hobby, they allow their hobbies to become jobbies. I, I agree with you. I think at some point people put their hobbies to the side because they have a job. A job. They're missing out on that key moment in one's life where you say, leave the door open. This hobby might just become Be a, a jobby. jobby. Exactly. And it was so weird because almost like because we live these upside down uh, nonsense lives, it's almost as if, and I know that we talked about our catering experience in New York last episode, uh, but it's almost as like our, in New York, running around and doing goofy comedy, although we weren't being paid for it and technically a quote unquote hobby, that felt like a job. Right. Catering for money weirdly felt like a hobby. That <laughs> almost like... When you don't take something too seriously, <laughs> exactly. it's a hobby. Maybe that's why I was fired twice, because it was a hobby more than a job for me. This is the third act. We should be talking about the future. The future. Exactly. future hobbies. They're usually either born out of something you're thinking about now, mm -hmm. or you've just started to do now. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that immediately jumps out to you as a future hobby that you'd like to be pursuing more? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Um, I wonder what I would like my future hobby to be. God knows I need one because my skill, as I become older, I do feel like my I need to expand my skill set just as a human animal. Yeah, like I need to keep learning and growing, and I can't. Uh, I need to sort of expand myself. In what realm would you say that you would like to expand? Primarily? Because there's the intellectual growth right. where you read a lot and you gain more knowledge. Yeah. There is the physical kind of like a, with your hands kind of brawn growth. I'm going to stop you right there. I want brawn growth. Uh, nice. I want with my hands physical brawn growth. We're here. At Let's this, focus on that for a second. We're sitting in this gorgeous headgum studio right now. Um, and I'm looking at this like such a handsome like homemade DIY coffee table in front of us that's just like a piece of a tree handsomely fashioned into a hip coffee table. I would like to know how to make something like that. Okay. I would like how to know in my life to be able to go from raw tree to delicious table. I would like to be able to see that process through. I think a lot of people in general and our age share that. Yeah. So what do you think would be a logical first step? Is it surrounding yourself with people who actually do that? Is it just going to Home Depot and just smelling sawdust for a while? And just feeling like kind of like now it's in my bones? Well, I do that already. Oh. Yeah, that's just my sort of that's a Wednesday afternoon. Um, oh, <coughs> Home Depot Wednesdays. With, hashtag Home Depot Wednesdays. Hashtag Home Depot Wednesdays. Shout out Hot Skates. Uh, <laughs> so I, I do feel like surrounding myself with people that are slightly more sort of crafty or handily inclined could help. Uh, my beloved uh, partner, Maggie, is actually super handy. She So that's, I think, another the reason why I haven't had to sort of evolve and learn these skills right. and to literally how to like assemble a, a desk or like build the cabinets because Maggie, uh, I am both, I'm so fortunate uh, that she knows how to do all that stuff. Yes. So she's super crafty and she could easily, she would know exactly how to make a tree into a nice table. But mm -hmm. to me, that just seems so opaque and so far-fetched mm -hmm. that I would really like to know how to make things. Yes. Physically construct things with my hands. Yes. Yeah. I think that is uh, very doable. Yeah. I, I think, think so. that with YouTube forums. Right. That's how everyone learns now. But that's the problem. Not not the problem, but it's like it just sort of hints at what you're saying. It's like our it's like a generational issue. Um we we are both blessed 
and not cur- it's just the the other edge of the sword of being able to that we make our livelihoods with our brains and with our minds and with our mouths that we don't need these skills as much. We just don't need to know how to build stuff as much anymore hmm. these days. I don't know if I agree with. No, you, you don't agree. Well, I mean, my car broke down. I went on YouTube. I saw. I typed in the problems. I learned what the problem was, and I fixed it. I love that about you. I mean, that is because you're oh, you are a fierce autodidact. I think I mentioned this last time, but you are a self teacher right. more than more than I'm inclined to do that. Okay. I'm lazier than you are. Okay. So that's a big thing. Got it. I'm lazier. So uh, uh, that that's just... You uh, almost have to start there then. Okay. <laughs> I too am lazy, but I too have big, big dreams. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's a hobby. Yeah. What do you want to do, man? You know, it's as if I want to skip the hobby phase and go straight into jobby. Oh, Bill. Well, I mean... So I haven't even done the hobby yet, but I want it to be my jobby. What? Is, what? I talked about this on another HeadGum podcast. Okay. Maybe it was... Maybe it was UTK's okay. podcast, and you guys should check that out. It's called "It's it, Let's Talk About Me, Baby" with UTK. Love Udkarsh. Udkarsh and Budkar, very good. So funny. He had a guest on, and we talked about the uh, sandwiches. We talked about sandwiches and how to improve sandwiches. God. And a brilliant idea came across, and I want this to be my hobby moving forward: I'm perfecting listening. it and then turning it into a jobby. Fully listening. The Reuben sandwich. Okay. The Cuban sandwich. Okay. You take out the ham in the Cuban sandwich, okay. which is roast pork, ham, mustard, pickles. Yes. Take out just the slice of ham. Okay. Put in a slice of corned beef. Oh. From Into the Reuben. The and now we have a Cuban. Oh. It's a Cuban Reuben. Ooh. So you're taking out, say it again, the ham from the Cuban. Cuban. Putting in the corned beef. Leaving in the pork in the Cuban, but taking out the slice of ham that they have and putting in either uh, corned beef or pastrami, oh my a nice salty meat, pickles, mustard on Cuban bread, the Cuban. Seriously. The Russian dressing stays in the Reuben. The Russian dressing doesn't transfer. Stays to the side. Oh my God, stays dude. To the side. That is a legitimately genius idea. It's just a kiss. <laughs> a slightly saltier meat in the Cuban. You have the two cute words, Cuban sandwich, Reuben sandwich, Cuban sandwich. It- Copyright Billy Scafuri. Seriously. And shout out Alex Fumero, who also co-signed. Oh, no kidding. Yes. For a little Cuban authenticity. He was there too. Wow. No kidding. That's a great idea, Billy. That is a legitimately great idea. (laughs) So I don't want that hobby to be me just like working on it on my counter. I want to fast forward to the jobby. Yeah, man. Someone else buy that idea from me. Seriously. And make that jobby your dream come true. I mean, like, you are an amateur sandwich innovator. Yes. I mean, if anything, if I had to, like, label it, and I hate labels. Right. But I would say you are an amateur and -and up-and-coming sandwich innovator. I am miles beyond the Subway sandwich artist. Dude, and forget Mr. Sub. Yes. Forget it, dude. Years behind the Subway sandwich artist. Stop it. Sharpen up that font. So, I think in the future, if you guys hear about a Cuban sandwich, you know where that came from you first. quite literally heard it here first if you haven't listened to the utk podcast right um and that is the no joke podcast this is so fun these things come and go another one in the books bill yeah yeah um congratulations to us and to you and to us let us continue to have hobbies yes let us continue to do this podcast may us and uh once again i am billy scafuri and i am adam lustick and we will see you on the internet next week that was a hit gum podcast <laughs>